Welcome back to the research labs of Better. Let's join Martin and Julie again on their first date. Um, do these jeans make me look fat? Uh, they look alright. Ooh, that one might end up ugly. Let's see what it looks like with Better. Um, do these jeans make me look fat? They look great. When life hands you choices, choose better. For some reason, that music makes me laugh. Ding! Don't know why, but it does. Welcome to uh, all of our churches and network churches. Uh, how many of you, if you want to cheer, you're believing God that this year will be better than last year? All of our campuses, how many of you are believing? Uh, for something better. We are in a series called Better, and we're looking at uh, different verses that have the word better in it. We're memorizing those verses, so we won't just hear them, uh, but we'll know them. I do want to tell you as we start this week's message that I honestly believe that for many of you, this message has the potential to impact your life as much as anything that we do all year long. And I want to say it again because I really, uh, I'm hoping that your hearts will be open to what God may want to say to you, and that is that this message, if you're open to the Spirit of God, it has the potential to transform your life as much as any message that we do this year. At the same time, I just want to warn you, it'll also be really easy for you to shake this one off. If you go, oh yeah, okay, yeah, that's good, need to make some changes, and then you, know, you go on with your life and nothing happens. Don't let that be the case. If God wants to say something, show you something, change you in some way, I really want you to be sensitive to what God might want to do, uh, and I have some very high expectations that he's going to do a lot, because here's the deal. Uh, we're going to look at a lesson today that I promise you, you will learn. You will learn it. You'll learn it the easy way, or you'll learn it the hard way. You can learn it today, or you may learn it on your deathbed when you look back over years and years with regret. Or you may learn it on the other side of this life in eternity when you look back and say, oh, man, I give anything to get to do life over, but you can't. And so I pray that you'll learn it today, um, and it will make a difference in how you do life. Okay, so with that foundation, uh, very important question. How many of you know what the candy spree is, and you love sprees, S-P-R-E-E, -E, sprees, yes, glory to God in the highest. <laughs> these, are, uh, these are sprees. Uh, they're kind of like, um, like sweet and sour, little tarts or whatever. Uh, if you've never had one, they're good. If I wasn't fasting, I'd eat one to demonstrate that they're real, but I am fasting. I'll get uh, red ones because red ones are the best. Uh, these sprees, in many ways, represent uh, one of the lies that our culture has been telling us for years. And quite honestly, this is one of my biggest battles, is believing this cultural lie. Uh, if you know it, you may just say it aloud. Our culture teaches us that with about everything, if one is good, what is two? Everybody, two is better. And, you know, I always thought if playing one sport is good, two is better. If having one dollar is good, having two is always better. If having one car is good, two is better. If having one kid is good, six is better, right? You know, if having one wife is good, 
Two is not better. Two is trouble. Okay, don't, don't even go there. Someone uh, always argued for Solomon. He had, you know, hundreds of wives. And one time a guy asked his seminary professor, you know, why did Solomon have so many wives? And the seminary professor said, so when he came home, he could hopefully find one in a good mood. <laughs> Sorry, just joking. Okay, anyway, just don't, yeah, I thought it was funny. Lighten up, baby, lighten up. Okay, we're just having some fun. Here's the deal. If you go all the way back uh, to the Garden of Eden, you can see uh, a form of the lie. If one is good, two is better. If you don't know the story, uh, God created everything, said it's all good, and then he created man and said it's good, but... He's alone. It's not good that he's alone. So poof, he went into deep sleep, took his rib, made um, Eve. Adam saw Eve went, whoa, man. And uh, she became woman. And, and God said, have fun. Be fruitful. Multiply. Eat from any tree in the garden except that one. You can have anything you want, but just not that one. And Lucifer or Satan or whatever, the the form of evil came in uh, the form of a serpent, and the serpent said, did God really say not to eat from that one? Because here's the deal. If you do, you'll be like God. And what the serpent basically did was said, you know, hey, you got everything, but what you don't have is what you need. More is, but you got everything, but what you don't have is what you need to be happy. Why don't you get what you don't have? More is always better than less. Well, track back to the sixth grade. I went to the movies, uh, and I took two rolls of sprees because two is better than one. I ate uh, one by one, a red one, green one, yellow one, purple one. I ate a whole roll in one movie. I unwrapped the foil on the second roll. I ate and ate and ate. I got down to, I had three left when suddenly my body had a violent reaction and kicked back. And I, I projectile vomited the most colorful stream of vomit you have seen in your life. We're talking technicolor yawn, baby. I mean, it was so, it was a rainbow coming out of me. It was such a rainbow that there was a pot of gold on the other side of my vomit. It was that big of a rainbow. And God was trying to teach me that more is not always better. Sometimes more is just more and not that good. Our main thought for today, if you're taking notes, is this. It's better to have less of what doesn't matter and more of what does. Everybody help me out. It's better to have less of what doesn't matter and more of what does. It's better. It's actually better to have less of what doesn't matter and more of what does. Our memory verse is Ecclesiastes 4, 6. I'll read it, and then after I read it, we can say it together, and we're going to memorize it. Uh, here's what Scripture says. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after 
the wind. Better one handful with tranquility, with peace, than two with toil and striving and stress and chasing after the wind. If you haven't memorized it yet, feel free to look at your notes uh, or the screen and let's say it together. Everybody ready? Better one handful with tranquility than two with toil and a chasing after the wind. Again, better one handful with tranquility than two with toil and a chasing after the wind. Okay, no looking at your notes, no looking at the words on the screen. Ready? From memory. Better one handful with tranquility than two with toil and a chasing after the wind. We could do it this way. Better one handful than two. Why is one handful better than two? Well, if I've got one handful, guess what else I have? I have a free hand. Did you like that? I practiced all week because preachers only work on Sunday and we have time to practice things like this. But better one hand, I know it's cheesy, but anyway, just work with me. If I've got one handful and a free hand and someone needs help up, what can I do? I can what? I can help them up. If I've got one handful and a free hand and someone needs encouragement, what can I do? I can encourage them. If someone needs a hug, what can I do? I can give them a hug. If someone needs something, what can I do? I can give them what they need. If I'm tired and need a nap, what can I do? I can take a nap, right? Because <laughs> better one handful than two with toil. Because if I've got two and someone needs a hand up, what can I do? Good luck praying for you. If someone needs encouragement, what can I do? Good job, buddy. <laughs> good, good job. If someone needs a hug, I'm like, you know, if someone needs something I have, I'm like, you know, you know <laughs> if, if I need to take a nap, what do I do? It's not as good. Better, better, better is one handful with tranquility than two with toil. In fact, Jesus hit this principle um, head on in the New Testament. In fact, he was very, very, very aggressive with his words. Uh, this is what Jesus said in Luke 12, 15. Uh, he was talking to a group of people and he said, watch out. Everybody say, watch out. He said, watch out, everybody. Be on your guard. In other words, don't ever let your guard down or this is going to sneak up and it's going to kick you in the tail. He says, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. More, 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 more. Why? He says, because a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Watch out. Be on your guard. More is not always better. Watch out for greed because your life does not consist in what you have. And then he told a parable. He said, once upon a time, there was a guy who had a very successful business here. And the guy said, oh, man, I'm going to tear down my old barns. I'm going to build new ones, bigger ones, better ones, more. I'm going to kick back. I'm going to take life easy. I'm going to drink. I'm going to be merry. I'm going to be happy. And Jesus said, on that very night, your life will be taken away from you. Why? Here's what Jesus said. He said, verse 21, this is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich toward God. 
This will be what it's like for anyone who just goes more and more and more chasing after the wind but doesn't have what matters most, a relationship with God. I'm convinced God doesn't care so much about what we have. He doesn't want what we have to have us. He wants us to be rich toward that, what, uh, that which really matters and lasts. That's why it's better to have less of what doesn't matter and more of what does. Better one handful with tranquility than two with toil and chasing after the wind. So if it's better to have what does matter, I wanna ask you to define very clearly in your life what really does matter. Right now, all of our churches, I want you to think about it and I want you to answer. I want you to write down one or two or three things. What matters most to you? This should be easy, okay? Why is everybody looking at me? Write. Write it down, okay? I want you to write it down. Now, if you're going, oh, I don't know what really matters, let me help make it even easier for you. Imagine uh, you go into the doctor, and the doctor says, bad news. You've only got a month to live. 30 days to live, that's all you've got. What are you going to do in the next 30 days? What's important to you at that moment is what's important to you. If you've only got a month to live, what is important to you? I want you to go ahead and write it down. And as you're doing so, I actually ask people um, on my Facebook page, what's most important to you? And let me tell you um, what they said. The most common answer was in one form or another, um, God is most important to me. Pleasing God, glorifying God, knowing God, living for God. The second most common answer was um, my family, my marriage, my children, leaving a godly legacy, um, leading my children to be fully devoted followers of Christ. Um, some people said my church. Some people said making a difference. Some people said uh, making God known, showing the love of Jesus. Some people said um, all of, having all of my relatives and loved ones coming to know Christ. And, and the list went on and on for very meaningful things. But here's what was shocking to me, and it may be shocking to you. Let me tell you what was not on the list. Let me tell you what was not on the list. Not one time did anyone put the amount of money they have in their bank account. Not a single person. No one put on there how much money they make annually a year from their job. Not one person. No one put a single possession. Not the make and model of their car. No one put the size of their home or the types of countertops they have in their kitchen. Uh, nobody put the type of phone they have. Uh, nobody put the number of Twitter followers they have. Shocking, I know. N no one put their high score on Angry Birds as being the, one of the most important things. And yet so often, the things that many people pursue didn't show up on the list of things that are most important. I want to encourage you to really define clearly what is most important. And that I believe the Spirit of God is going to help you to let go of, have less of what doesn't matter and more of what does. In fact, uh, kind of the picture I hope will stick in your mind is I want to encourage you to, to do what I call one handful living. One handful living. Because so many of us, we're grasping for everything. And better is one handful with tranquility than two with toil. So that kind of raises the question, how can we live a one handful life? 
And I want to give you a couple of thoughts and then three real simple uh, application points and pray that God speaks to you in a way that will make life different. How do we live a one-handful life? I want to encourage you, first of all, to let go of what doesn't matter. Okay? All of our churches. Everybody say, let go. Come on, I can't do this without you. Come on, have some fun with me. Let go of what doesn't matter. We're going to let go of anything and everything that doesn't matter. In fact, the writer to the Hebrews in Hebrews 12.1 said, let us do what? What are those two words? He said, let us throw off. What are we going to throw off? Some things? No, Scripture says, let us throw off what? Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Why? So we can run the race with perseverance that's marked out for us. Let us throw off anything and everything that hinders. Now, the Greek word translated as throw off, it can also be translated as cast down. It's kind of a a violent throwing down. I I think of it like if you you get a June bug, flies into your hair, what do you do? Man, you, you, he meets concrete when you throw that baby down. It's just, that's what you do. You cast off. You throw down everything that hinders everything that gets in your way of the race marked out for you. I hope you'll understand that there is a race that God has marked out for you. There is a run, there is a track, there is a will, there is a purpose, there is a plan. God put you here on earth to do something significant and your spiritual enemy is gonna say, hey, what about that? You don't have that and before long, we're chasing the wind, something that doesn't matter. You have to have the discipline to throw that down, cast down anything and everything that does not matter. Now, here's the three quick phrases that I believe will speak to many of you. How are we gonna do this? Let me just encourage you to pray about in these different areas to cut back, throw out, and turn off. Cut back, throw out, and turn off. What are we gonna do, everybody? We're gonna cut back, throw out, turn off. What are we gonna cut back? I don't know uh, what you need to cut back on, but most people I know need to cut back on spending and their schedules. God's gonna speak to some of you to cut back on your spending and your schedules. Start with your spending. Better one handful, better less, with tranquility and financial margin than two handfuls with a financial noose around your neck. Better is one handful with money left over at the end of the month than two handfuls with fights and worry and financial fears. How stupid is it in our world that we buy things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't like, and then we worry and and we're anxious about, I don't have enough money, I don't have enough money. Better is less with room to breathe. Better is, and I don't know what that means for you, but for some of you, it's time to cut back to downsize, I'm telling you, it's way better to have financial room to breathe, to give, than it is to have stuff that doesn't matter. And schedules, listen listen carefully, for some of you, it's time to get very prayerful and very aggressive in cutting back on society's pressure to say yes to everything. In fact, uh, what is the most common answer to the question in our culture when someone says, hey, how you doing? What do people say? Well, I'm really what? I'm really busy, right? I'm busy, I'm tired, busy, tired, busy, tired. How you doing? Busy, 
busy. When's the last time you come up to someone and said, hey, uh, how are you doing? Dude, I'm relaxed. <laughs> I got free time. I'm like, man, I'm hanging out with the kids. Oh, man, my marriage, is, you know, we're, just, we're going on dates once a week. Oh, man, I'm spending time with God. Oh, man. No, what do you hear? Busy, tired, busy, tired. And, and do you really think the God who says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy, and I'll give you rest? Do you really think that's his highest plan? Culture has lied to us. More is better, more is better, more is better. It's time to say no to some things that everybody else says yes to. Here's the deal, many of you, you're gonna have to say no to some good things in order to say yes to what is better. You have to say no to some good, you're gonna have to say no to what everybody else says yes to. So you can say yes to what nobody else has the ability to say yes to. And, and I'll tell you, I offend people Daily. I mean, my office is, you know, Craig, would you come and would you speak and could you dinner and would you do this and da 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 No, 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 no. But that's important. No, no, no. I have to say no to so many good things in order to say yes to the best. Just because you could do something doesn't mean you should. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. The second thing we need to do is we need to throw out. Some of you, you need to throw out a lot. Clean the clutter out. Uh, a friend of mine, uh, I said, we're throwing out. And he said, throw away as if your life depends on it because it does. Love that phrase. I'll never forget about it. He said, throw away as if your life depends on it because it does. And that's kind of become a motto for me. It's, I mean, I want to get rid of everything all the time. And we'll, at our family, we'll have throwaway weekends where everybody, we all, we pick a number. We're all going to throw away 200 things. 200 times uh, eight people is a lot of things to throw away. And so we all, I mean, we're talking, and we just throw it away. Here's the deal. You haven't worn it in a year, give it to somebody who can use it. Get it out of your closet. You got, so, I mean, here, it was crazy. When Amy and I got married, we bought a um, $30,000 house built in 1910. The house had one closet, one closet. Why? Because in 1910, that's all you needed was one closet. Now we've got multiple closets. I mean, we got walk-in closets. Some of you, your closets are so big, you can walk in them and around them. I've seen it. Four laps around your closet is a mile. It's extraordinary. <laughs> And so you got these big closets and cabinets, but guess what? That's not enough for your stuff. You've got so much stuff, you have to move it into your garage. And some of you, your garage is full, so it goes in your attic. And some of you have so much stuff, you have to rent more space to put your stuff Why? Because everybody knows stuff matters. Stuff matters. Stuff that's going to burn up one day. Oh, more is better. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. it it's clogging up. It's, it's a waste. Get rid of it. Uh, finally, turn off. 
Turn it off. I don't know what you need to turn off, but some of you need to turn something off. Turn it, I don't know what it is. Turn the television off. Turn the hell of vision off, okay? You're <laughs> wasting your mind. I mean, literally, you, you spend more time watching the television than you do in God's Word or playing with your kids or serving in your church. You're wasting your life. Here's the deal. You will never change the world watching reruns. <laughs> Somebody tweet that. That's good. Right now, baby, tweet it. You will never change the world watching reruns. Why would you waste your life spending hours doing something that doesn't matter? Or here's the deal, and I'm going to meddle right now, and some of you are going to go, what am I talking about? And others of you, you're going to go home and have a massive fight about what I'm about to say. Uh, Many of you, your cell phones, it's become an idol. All the, you know, hey, you know, put it on Facebook. Three people like it. <laughs> maybe there'll be four. <laughs> Come on, maybe four. Four! Yeah. Like, get a real life. <laughs> Seriously. Seriously. Tw- tw- is anybody going to retweet me? Is it, it's like, get a real, meaningful life. And I'm telling you, there's some of you, 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 you watch. You go out to dinner, watch a nice family of four sitting there at the table. Everybody's talking to somebody else. Okay? Reading whatever, words with friends, you know, it's just it's ridiculous. And one reason I'm so passionate about this is because um, Amy told me for a long time, you're on your phone too much. I'm like, hey, changing the world on the phone, baby. I'm talking to people, you know, and I thought it was important. And uh, then I made the mistake of getting her an iPhone. I didn't see her for six months. <laughs> words with friends, words with friends. And, and I realized it was actually um, affecting our marriage and our family in a negative way. And so we drew some lines no phones at the table, no phones, family time, days where we don't use technology in the phone, in the home, turn it off because it's stupid. I'm telling you, some of you, you could change your family by turning the stupid thing off. It's an idol, you're wasting your time. I, I've gotten so crazy, I just, I've deleted almost every app. I've got my front page, I've got two lines of apps on the next page. I've got the Bible, I've got my music, I've got the news, I've got some maps. Um, just some very practical things. Nothing to tempt me to waste my time playing a stupid game or surfing anything. It's just stupid, stupid. Better one handful of tranquility than two with toil. I'm telling you, some of you need to get real serious and throw down, cast off, let go of what doesn't matter. Everybody say let go of what doesn't matter. And number two, I want to encourage you to fight for what does matter. Everybody say, fight for what does matter. Let's go. What do we do? We're going to let go of what doesn't matter. We're going to let go of what doesn't matter. And we're going to do what? We're going to fight for what does matter. And I'm going to tell you, it's time to fight, to fight, to fight, to fight for what does matter. I love the way Nehemiah said it in uh, whenever Sambalat and Tobiah were trying to talk God's people out of rebuilding the wall. Nehemiah's like, uh-uh, no, no, no. You fight for something higher, and you fight for it. He said, remember the Lord, who is great and awesome, and do what? He said, and fight for your brothers and your sons and your daughters and your wives and your home. Fight for what's important, man. Draw your swords and fight. Fight like a man. Fight like a man of God. Fight like a woman of God. Fight for it. Don't let culture lie to you. Don't waste your life. Fight for what matters. Less of what doesn't matter, more of what does. Less of what doesn't matter, more of what does. Less of what doesn't matter, more of what does. Here's the deal, I don't know about you, but my life is too valuable 
and my calling is too great, my God is too good to waste my life on things that don't matter. I'm here to tell you, listen, your life is too valuable, your calling too great, and your God too good to waste your life on things that don't matter. God created you, put you on earth to glorify him, to make a difference, to make him known, to, to love him and to love people. Don't sell out chasing the wind. More, 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 watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Your life does not consist in the abundance of things and the busyness of life. Better one handful with tranquility than two with toil. I'll tell you one of the most personal uh, examples. I um, made a decision that was very difficult for me, and I can't tell you how tough it was, one of the best decisions. Some guys like to hunt, fish, all that stuff. I actually like to write. It's, it's uh, therapeutic to me. I enjoy it. I like taking messages and turning them into chapters and books and extending the message. It's fun. I enjoy it. It's easy because I have very good editors. And uh, believe it or not, I can actually write a book while working um, without skipping any work doing a, in about a six-week period of time. But what I do is, at our house, it's known as dad's in book mode. I go into book mode, and I'm not available for about six weeks. I write until... You know, the kids go to bed, I write until one in the morning, I sleep for four hours, I get up, I write, I go into the office at eight, I work all day, I come home, I write all night. It's seven days a week, so it's not pretty, but it's done, and it makes a big difference. Well, I'm speaking at a conference, it's one of, it's broadcast all over the world, one of the biggest leadership conferences, and the conference, my publisher, my agent said, hey, would you write a, a small book around this subject? It'd be big. It we'll give you a lot of money you can give away. I'm like, yeah, more. This is it. I, I would love to write this. And so I went into my office at home, and Amy's like, don't do it. You don't, you know, you don't, you've already written a book that, you know. I'm like, oh, i got to do it. More. And so I'm outlining it, and I'm like all into it. And in the back of my mind, I'm going, I feel guilty. I'm neglecting the family. got to do it. And my daughter came in, Joy, and she, she looked up at me. She said, Daddy, Daddy, can we go read a book? And I said, well, uh, I'm going to be busy for a little while. And she looked at me, she said, Daddy, are you writing another book? I said, well, I, I think so. And she said very innocently, very sweetly, she said, okay, Daddy, well, I'll see you in November. And she just <laughs> pulled that number out of the air. And then she walked out, and she was shutting my door, very sweet. She said, now, Daddy, remember, I'm six years old, and I'm not going to be six forever, and you don't want to miss it. And it just, it, it hit me. Over a lifetime, I might write 30 books. If I write 30 or 31 at the end of my life, who's going to care about the difference between 30 and 31? I'll tell you one person's going to care, and that's Joy, my little girl. And so I closed the computer, put it aside, and went and read her every book she had. And um, I'm telling you, I'm not going to miss it. Because when I started the church, my first daughter, uh, she was 18 months old. And she's 18 and um, graduated from high school, and I don't know where the time went. I, I don't know where the time went. And I've been my whole life a two-handful person. I'm going to tell you right now, way, way, way better is one handful 
with tranquility. Better one handful and a good marriage. Better one handful and children that you know. Better one handful and making a difference in life. Better one handful and intimate friends. Better one handful and a great relationship with God. Better one handful and influence. Better one handful and margin. Better one handful and love than two handfuls with toil, stress, panic, greed, more. And a chasing after the wind because it's infinitely better to have less of what doesn't matter and more of what does. And I don't know what this is going to look like for some, for some of you, but I'm telling you, if you don't shake it, but you let it speak to you, you can be different. Everybody say it aloud. Better one handful with tranquility than two with toil and chasing after the wind. Father, I pray that this message would speak to hearts and that people would be different living for what matters most. I pray this, God, in the name of your son, Jesus. As you're praying today at all of our different churches, some of you right now, you're going to recognize and just say, honestly, Craig, I'm a lot like you. I'm kind of a two-handful person. Always busier, always on the go, conquer, win, achieve, purchase, attack, kill, more, 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 more. And suddenly your life is so full of all these things, you're really missing out on what matters most. It's time just to be honest, to call it what it is, to repent before God. I'm going to ask you to have some real serious discussions with your life group and those, those that you love and talk about what needs to be different, because I want to be a one-handful person. All of our churches, those of you who would say, I am, I battle with two-handful living, and I want to be a one-handful person, living for what matters most. Would you lift up your hands right now? Lift them high up all over the place. God, thank you for so many people that, that are responding to what you're saying today. And I pray, oh God, that your spirit would speak to hearts, and that, that your, your children would have the courage to make difficult decisions, whether downsizing or quitting an activity or, or maybe changing jobs or, or, or turning something off or getting rid of or, or decluttering or making significant changes, God, that they would have the courage to make significant changes. And God, we just acknowledge that if, if little changes would have worked, we would have done them a long time ago. God, help us to have the faith to follow what you show us. And I pray, God, that your people would have less of what doesn't matter and doesn't last, and more, God, of what does. Speak to hearts, transform lives today by the power of your word and the truth of your spirit. As you keep praying today, all of our churches, let me just say as, as bluntly as I can, many of you, you are living for things that are not God's best. He's got something way, way, way better What's our problem? Our biggest problem in life is that we were born as sinners. We, we are bent away from God. We, we, are, we are bent away from a holy God. And our sin nature, it lures us into following, pursuing, uh, striving for things that don't last. It was even the garden. I want that. I need that. It's us giving our lives to things that don't last and just burn up and go away and don't make an eternal difference. It's our sin nature. What do we need? We need forgiveness for all the sins that we've ever committed. And many of you, you're on a lifelong search, a search for something that fills the emptiness inside. 
And let me tell you, you can search all you want, everything, every relationship, every experience. You will never fill that emptiness because you're trying to, sh you're trying to fill a God-shaped void. There is nothing outside of a relationship with God that can fill that emptiness inside. What do we need? Today, we're just going to acknowledge my sin, God, is separating me from you. I need your forgiveness. That's why God sent Jesus, who was without sin, who died on the cross and rose again so we could be forgiven, so we could know God. As you give your life to him, you will know the fullness of life in Christ. He wants to give you life and life to the full, not full of what doesn't last, but full of what does matter. All of our churches, there are those of you who say, you know what, I need him, I need forgiveness, I need his life, I need his grace, I need his mercy, I give my life to him, I want him to fill the void, I need his grace, today my life is not my own, I give it to him, come into my life, God, forgive me, make me new, fill my void, today I give my life to you. All of our churches, that's your prayer today, would you lift your hand up high right now, just high right now, all over the place, leave it up if you will, and I wanna look you in the eye, both of you right back over here, praise God for you guys, here in the middle section, way back here, Sirhan lifted high, blessings to you, my friend, right back over here, God bless you as well. Others of you, lift up your hand and say yes, church online, right below me. Others who say yes, I need him as forgiveness, fill me with your life, I need you. Others of you, it's right back over here, praise God for you and here in this section as well. Everybody, if you would, just pray aloud with those around you, pray, Heavenly Father, save me from my sins, make me new, I believe Jesus died for me, and he rose again so I could live for you. Fill me with your spirit so I could know you, follow you, and serve you for the rest of my life. Thank you for new life. I give you mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Would somebody get a little bit loud and worship the God of heaven? Welcome those today born into God's family.